Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we begin, we want you to know that this podcast gets into some things that might be triggering to some listeners, specifically depression and suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please seek assistance from a mental health professional or visit the National Institute of Mental Health's website at nimh.nih.gov for resources. If you are currently in crisis, you can call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255 or text hello to 741-741 to speak to someone immediately. Thank you for listening. Welcome to a special Jason and Alexis podcast. I'm Alexis. And I'm Dawn. Today we're talking to Chris Stedman. He's a writer, activist, professor who currently teaches at the Department of Religion and Philosophy at Augsburg University. He's also the author of IRL and Faithiest and the creator and host of Unread which is what we're really going to mainly dive into today. I know him as Tiffer. Hi, Chris Stedman. Hi, gosh. I haven't heard the name Tiffer outside of a family setting in many, many years. (laughs) Yes. So great to see you doing your thing. And this is okay, Don, I've got to tell you this story because the way that Chris and I connected was over Instagram. He's so sweet. He bought one of my little handmade creations. And then at the end of his message, he said, Alexis, hey, I have a podcast. Do you mind just checking it out? I'd really love to know what you think. So I'm like, oh, okay, Chris, like he's he's in his basement recording a podcast. This is so cute. Oh my gosh. Oh my word. Then I listened. I couldn't get enough. I couldn't stop listening. Don, I know you've listened to it twice now. Yep. And, and then I saw that it's, it was named Best Podcast of 2021 by The Guardian, Vulture, HuffPost, Mashable. I laughed. I cried. It's so poignant. And I think everyone should listen to it. And that's why we're here. I told Don about it. Mm, yeah. And yeah, we just I, couldn't I, get enough. I listened to it. I was dog sitting Jason's dogs. And um, I I was, listen, I don't want to turn anybody off by this, but I was crying in the first like 10 minutes. And I did again when I re- re-listened to it this weekend because it's just so heartfelt. And, you know, it's like I, I walked away really knowing your friend, Alex. I feel like you let us in and let us know who he was. So I guess, do you, we want to have you describe in a nutshell what the podcast is about, Chris? Sure, yeah. Um, first of all, thank you both for such kind words. Thanks for inviting me to chat with you today. I'm really I'm just, I'm glad we were able to do this. So thank you. Yeah. And yeah, that's like, it's so heartening to hear you say that because I think I had a few goals with the podcast, but if I had, if I have to be honest, I think my ultimate number one goal was just, I wanted the world to know this person who had played such a big role in my life and who is such a special person. 
So the show is about my friend Alex. Um, Alex is someone I met when I was in my early 20s, and he just came into my life with, like, (laughs) he just came into my life with the force of, like, a hurricane in the (laughs) best way and just completely shook everything up, everything I thought about about life, about, you know, what it what makes life meaningful? You know, I was very much when I met him, I was on my path. I was doing my master's degree, you know, whatever. And he just had a totally different set of priorities in life. He was like, he followed his whims, he followed his passions, and he just showed me like a, just a totally different way of living and being in the world. And Alex was just this completely unreal, incredible person. And I was friends with him for 10 years. And then in 2019, he died by suicide. And um, I found out because he wrote an email and scheduled it to go out um, so that I would receive it after he died. And in his email, he basically let me know that he had ended his life. It was an expression of of love, of friendship. He wanted to kind of explain. And it also included this sort of mystery at the end where he just dropped in a a link to a private SoundCloud page with a couple audio files of him talking to someone he had met about a decade earlier in a Britney Spears fan forum. Um, And this person sounded exactly like Britney Spears, who was his number one idol. You know, in, in the moment when I got the email, I was, I mean, just shocked and horrified and devastated. And so I didn't really pay that much attention to the the link at the end of the email. But as I, I started sort of as time went on, and I was processing his death and what happened and trying to make sense of it all, I found myself coming back to this link over and over again, trying to understand what he was trying to show me in this uh, by including this in his message. And so, as I was saying, it, it's so heartening to hear you say you felt like you really got to know him because, well, the podcast is about this mystery, about these audio files he left me, why he left me, who this person on the other end of the audio conversation was. I think my biggest goal for the show really was just to try to pay tribute to this person who, in many ways, completely just changed my life and the life of everyone who knew him, but who also like lived a life that is not the kind of life that really gets memorialized. Um, mm, yeah. You know, when somebody dies who, you know, accomplished, quote unquote, a bunch of things that we see as important or worthy or that sort of thing, then that's a person who, you know, gets remembered. Yeah. And because he lived his life in this totally different way, you know, he didn't live a life that, yeah, gets sort of honored in that way. And so I think, again, I, you know, I wanted to... So when I... I'm trying to process something that I can't really understand, something too big for me to wrap my mind around. I the way I start to try and process it is by writing. So I, I you know, I try and write to figure out what I think about things. And so after he died, I basically started writing about his death and about this mystery. And I ended up deciding to share it for a few reasons, but one of them was that after he died, I ran this GoFundMe um, account to help try and raise some money to cover the cost of his death. And I just said really matter of factly when I shared it that he had died by suicide. And I heard from all these people who just said basically, thank you for saying how he died because Mm. there's so much silence and shame around suicide. And as I was trying to make sense of this, I found myself just realizing that 
yeah, there's, there just aren't many stories where people talk openly about that experience, about losing a loved one to suicide. And I think that that culture of silence and shame contributes to people who struggle with suicidality, feeling like they can't talk about it, feeling isolated and disconnected. And so, I, you know, my hope for the show was to open up more space around that. I wanted to explore this mystery. But at the end of the day, the thing that really drove me was wanting to honor and pay tribute to this person. So hearing you say that just, yeah, it means the world. Thank you. The first time I did cry in the podcast was when you talked about how people tried to make him less than. They always wanted to say, you're too much this, you're too much that, trying to make him smaller and basically telling him, just be a different person and how he didn't do that. And he brought you out of your shell because you yourself have been trying to reconfigure yourself at this time in your life as a young gay man to be more masculine, to not basically be yourself Mm -hmm. and that you learned from him how to let all of that go. Because I think a lot of us don't even realize how many things we do every day just to put up a shield and say, this is me, this is me. Just vulnerability, vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and, and how much you were sort of crafting your personality based on how you wanted to be viewed out of fear because you were in, in a marginalized group. And it just yeah. brought me to tears because I thought about how that must have felt to you to be lowering the pitch of your voice all the time to not appear gay. Can you talk yeah, a little a th- bit about that and how he impacted you? Yeah. I mean, it was a thing I learned as a kind of survival technique when I was younger to just kind of try and make myself smaller, um, you know, and I was I was always um, I would see other people who lived much more fearlessly and I would be drawn to it, but also scared of it um, because I felt like the only way I could stay safe would be was to sort of, yeah, just try and hide not show all my cards. Um, (laughs) And I think like, for me, I learned that in the context of being gay. But I think it's a thing we all learn when we're younger. And for lots of different reasons, you know, I've talked to a lot of my friends who are women who have their own very particular experience of this, who are made to feel like they are too much, or if they express the full range of their emotions, the full range of who they are, that that puts them at risk, right? That what keeps us safe is just presenting what we think the world will accept. One thing I learned, so after after Alex died, um, and you hear this in the podcast, one thing that happened is a, a group of us who all knew him kind of formed and we didn't really know each other before he died, but you didn't. Okay. Yeah, we didn't. So, you know, I mean, I had met, I think I I say this in the podcast, I met his sister, like, you know, here and there, but none of us really knew each other. And one of the things that emerged really clearly as we talked was that Alex had played the same role for all of us, that he had been this like liberator for all of us. He had taught all of us how to be less afraid of, you know, who we are and sharing that and just more comfortable Yeah, just living our lives in the way that we want to. And, you know, you hear in the podcast the story of his best friend, Lexi. They met when they were adolescents. And she, you know, I really, she and I, our stories of knowing him were really similar because she was very much on her path and felt like she could only be a certain way. And then she met this person who just blew up all her conceptions around, like, what you should be, what you should do. And so he really was that for everyone. Um, (laughs) But, you know, as I learned... That was also part of what made his life more difficult, right? Because the world, 
punishes people who do deviate from sure. expectations. And, yeah. you know, ultimately a big part of why his life was hard was because, you know, the world, yeah, as, as you said, didn't want him to be the way he was, didn't understand who he was. And, and so, yeah, I, you know, I think like part of, and this is, I'm sure something we'll talk about, but <laughs> part of why he and, and, and I loved Brittany so much is that, you know, Brittany in many ways, like has had that same experience as well. She, you know, has been criticized for everything she's done and she's been made, you know, been told by the world that she should do less, that she should be a different person, that she, and I think he really identified with that in Brittany. And that was a big part of why he loved her so much. And it's been really bittersweet to see this sort of cultural shift that's happened since he's died around the way that people see Brittany and understand her. Um, because, you know, it feels like the whole rest of the world has kind of finally caught up to where he was before. And I wish he could see right. it. I was going to say yes. he passed away before all of this happened with her and how she got to really express her feelings about her conservatorship and be freed. Yep. And it's just, you know, he was there before any of, any of us were. This is yeah. what was so masterful about Alex is that everyone, so people close to him got an email with basically the same message, but you got the SoundCloud clip or the, the link. And so as I'm listening, it's such a tribute to your friend, but also like you really lived what he taught you. I mean, think about this. You stepped out, you listened to the, the sounds and you're like, okay, game on. Thank you for the challenge, Alex. I think he would be so proud of you yes. for doing this, not only keeping his legacy, but just going, wow, this really happened. And is this person real? So can you talk a little bit about that journey to figure out who Alice is, was? Yeah. And also, I'm curious, too, to know if Britney Spears has heard of your podcast. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so let me start with the first okay. question. Don't give anything away, though. We, we, yeah. we want people to listen and not yes. know the end of the story, the mystery. I, I won't. I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, he sent me these audio files of him talking with this person he had met in this Britney Spears fan forum who sounds exactly like Britney. Like, I mean, oh. I, you know, I this is my first podcast. I'd never made a podcast before. I'd only ever written books and essays and that sort of thing. And, but the reason I had to make it as a podcast is because you have to hear the audio to understand just how uncanny it is, mm -hmm. you know, just how much it sounds like Britney. So, you know, he sent me these files and as I say in the podcast, you know, I, I remembered like when I listened to them, I was like, oh yeah, he told me about this person, you know, years ago that he met online. But I remember at the time you know, he was like trying to get me to go into these voice chats they were having on the tiny the chats. fan forums, yeah. the tiny chats. Yeah. And I, you know, and I was kind of like, okay, whatever, you know, okay, Alex, like that's, that sounds really <laughs> funny, you know, but <laughs> I just remember at the time, you know, I mean, I, and I, I'm just like a very skeptical person and sometimes <laughs> to some the core. Who, yeah. Some <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. 
For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's just who I am. Some of it's like a self-protective thing, too, sure. right? Like you don't get your hopes up about something uh-huh. if you just kind of dismiss it right away. Mm. And so I remember at the time just being like, okay, yeah, there's no way that Britney Spears is going <laughs> into this random internet chat room to talk with her most obsessed fans. Like, absolutely not, you know? But then, you know, when I, when I listened to the audio files, and really it was like him including them in the email, it was like he clearly put a lot of thought and care into the email. And so it just made me think like, okay... That the he didn't include these files just like as a random thing. Like Mm-mm. there's a reason why they're why they're in this note. Do you think that he wanted you to unravel that mystery to give you some focus after he left? I don't know. You know, I think like what became really clear to me is like, yeah, obviously there was a reason why he put these files in the email, but also like there has to be something significant about this because he was still thinking about this person, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of his life when he had so much else on his mind, you know, that this was still on his mind. And it just made me think, okay, there's got to be more to the story than just this. You know, I knew he had talked to this, he had joined in on these voice chats, you know, a couple times, but I thought, oh, there's, there's got to be more to it than that. Cause why would that still be on his mind? You know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, but I, I was like, and so, as I said, I'm, I'm this very skeptical person. And so I think my instinct would have been to just like dismiss it, you know, find some rationale. Oh, he was because as you hear in the show, he put together a bunch of files for us um, when he was preparing to end his life. He put together these Google folders with all these photos and that sort of thing. And so, you know, it, I could have just been like, oh, he was just going through his files. He came across these. He thought it would be a fun memory. And and I guess that's that. But Mm-mm. I, as you said, I was kind of trying to practice Alex, you know, what Alex preached a little bit. I was trying to embody him and say, like, OK, let me just embrace the fantasy here. Like yeah. what this really was, Britney. Like what if he really was talking to Britney Spears and wants me to to know, you know? I don't know if I could have taken that leap of faith if the free Britney stuff hadn't been emerging at the same time. So this, I, you know, I made the show. The show came out before she testified in court. So that was kind of when things went to a whole nother level. But as I was reflecting on these files and wondering why he sent them to me, you know, things were starting to sort of the the free Britney movement was starting to gain some more momentum. And it became this backdrop where I, I found myself being like, you know, if she really was so isolated and disconnected, maybe she would go online to try and find people she could connect with. Like, actually, maybe this would make complete sense for someone in her yeah. situation. And so, yeah, I just decided to take that leap of faith and see if I could figure out what was going on with this mystery. I had no idea where to start. Um, fortunately, <laughs> I had friends who were willing to help along the way. Alex's family and friends were so supportive and so helpful. Um, I had a friend who you hear from in the podcast who is an investigative journalist, and she helped me. And so I really just kind of like put on my little investigative journalist hat and was like, let me see if I can figure out how on earth I might find this person. And yeah, I honestly, when I started, I had no idea where it was going to lead me. 
But I have to tell you, deep down, I was like, there's no way I'm going to find this person. Mm -hmm. And if I find this person, there's no way I'll be able to talk to them. It's just not going to happen. And mm. I'm not going to tell you what happens in the mm. show. No. But, but the search definitely took me to places I never expected. So, and just to be clear to people listening who haven't listened to the podcast, all of these conversations to begin with on Tiny Chat, they were from 10 years ago, correct? Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so... They were from the early 2010s. And, you know, they... All that I could find when I was first looking online, trying to figure out, like, if I could learn more about this, were just a few, like, stray uh, message board conversations about this person, or a few people had recorded a, a little bit of audio from mm -hmm. those chats. But because these were anonymous chats where people just plug in a, a name, a username, and right. go into the chat, there was no way to track those people, figure out who they were, no email addresses, no names, nothing. You right. know, I was starting from literally square one with almost no information. So, you know, it really was this, um, again, like I said, when I started, I thought at most, maybe I'll be able to like find someone who was in the chat room with them who could maybe tell me a little bit more. But that was about as far as I ever thought I would get. Wow. I feel like there's a part, I, I want people to know that there was a part of me that felt a little guilty for enjoying the ride, you know, and, and seeing it as entertainment. Just to be honest about that, mm. there are times when I was laughing because you guys were describing Alex and he was such a jokester and the things that he did and just the camaraderie of the friendship, the, the Thor Daniels team <laughs> that you <laughs> called yourself. You know, it was just so fun to get to know him in that way. Have you had anybody? I mean, you get all kinds of feedback from people when you do something like this. Does anybody have anything negative to say? Did you offend anyone by? Mm. You know, I honestly... I mean, I'm a worrier by nature. Yeah. And so I kind of. <laughs> so now I just like, put more worry into your head. <laughs> no, no, what the heck? No, what am I doing I was, here? I was doing a lot of like worst case scenarioing before the sure. show came out. Um, you know, you've listened to it. It's a very personal. It's very, you know, um, it's very. And for someone who has spent a lot of my life, you know, telling myself, don't share that kind of stuff, that vulnerable stuff. That was definitely a big leap to to put something like that out there. Yeah. But. I have to say, honestly, um, the response has been so overwhelmingly supportive. That's um, awesome. Yeah, which I'm just so grateful for. I'm going to um, ask kind of the flip side of that. Yeah. The feedback, has there been anyone else that has come forward and said, Alex changed my life too? Yeah, that's been one that's of the most amazing cool. things is like hearing from people who are like, oh my God, I met Alex at a Britney Spears show in Vegas oh, and he Christ. completely changed my life. And you know, we kept in touch and he was like so supportive to me as I was going through this and I was going through that. And just everyone I've ever heard, I've heard from so many people because Alex connected with so many people who had no connection to one another. Right. And so now I've heard from all these people who, and 201, they all say the same thing that Alex changed their life in this way. And I spent a lot of time, I, I teach religion, right? So I spent a lot of time as I was working on the show, thinking through just the, yeah, the ethics of how to tell this story, it, why to tell this story, whether or not it should be told. Um, and a few things really gave me the encouragement to to do it. One was just that, again, that Alex's family and friends were so behind it and so supportive of it. And again, you hear from a lot of them in the show and, you know, his parents, who you don't hear from the show, but his parents, I have a relationship with them and they were very supportive as well. But 
you know, ultimately, I think that what what I hope comes through in the show is that it is not I had a sort of guiding star while I was making the show. And that was just to always try and sort of honor and do justice to Alex. And so every decision that I made about how I was telling the story just always sort of came back to that, to that, you know, that sort of goal and that question. And so hopefully that sort of comes through when you listen to it is that, um, I mean, it is like, it is a a story that, you know, I hope people resonate with and I hope that they enjoy listening to it. Mm -hmm. You know, we put a lot of of love and care into making it, but, um, you know, ultimately like, yeah, I just, that comes through loud and clear. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I thank you for saying that. I just, you know, I, I think that the, one of the reasons why stories like this don't get told very often is out of a really well-intentioned desire to, yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard thing to talk about and it's scary and you don't want to talk about it in the wrong way. And so often people default to just not talking about exactly. it. Exactly. Which, again, I really, I understand. But I think that that culture, again, of silence and, and oh. shame around suicidality and around suicide loss just makes the situation worse. Well, because so, if you don't talk about it, you don't work through it or right. you feel alone that's because exactly right there's someone because that gone. is what happens when you have those thoughts you know i myself have had those thoughts in my life and i've been literally on the floor in my closet just thinking i cannot get up i can't physically get up and you know the thing that kept me going is knowing i had a daughter you know and i had a responsibility to not do that because of her. And that is the only thing. And I did feel so alone. And there's, you know, I, I struggle with depression myself. There are times when everything just feels so dire. And then I've actually helped people being a radio host. People reach out to us and they, you know, on Twitter last year, there was a woman who was contemplating suicide. And I talked to her for days. She ended up thanking me. And it was like she reached out to me and I felt so honored you know, that she turned her life around. And I think that that alone feeling, if everybody just knew that there were so many people out there that are struggling every day, that mm-hmm. maybe they could just find a silver cord, a light to just say, I am not alone and I can talk to somebody, you know? Yeah. It's just, and your podcast does that. When I listened to it, I didn't feel as alone, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's just such a gift what you've done. I didn't mean to bring the room down. No, <laughs> no it's true. Didn't. We're, we're, I mean, we're rolling down good. that road. I, I think it's no. good. Everybody yeah. needs to talk about these things. And, yes. and this is just the greatest podcast that opens up that conversation. And feels inspiring by the end and going, yes. oh, you know, you really inspired me. I called friends and I was like, hey, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in a decade. Mm-hmm. Just to connect again and and also just to ask questions and to also know that there is a hotline that someone can call and not have to worry about different consequences or being pulled away from, you know, their home or, or yeah. work or that was very yeah. powerful. Thanks. Yeah. I think for me, when Alex died, I mean, it just felt so just senseless to me. It was like where, you know, all I felt was just the loss of it. And I think 
while making this show, one of the things I was trying to do was find some meaning in what happened. And for me, I think part of the meaning I find is taking this thing that I experienced that was so devastating for me and for other people who loved him and trying to just trying to, you know, find some way to find some meaning in it. And for me, a lot of that meaning has been found in being able to share this story and hear from other people who needed to hear it in some way, you know, and so I just I really appreciate you. Yeah, saying that. You're basically and spreading his light to everyone by doing this, you know? Yeah, I wanted, you know, I really wanted I, I just felt, you know, I feel so lucky that I got to know this person and be friends with him. And, and I wanted other people to get to know him, too. But also, you know, as you were saying, Alexis, like there was so much I found myself trying to learn and navigate after he died and just wanting to share some of that in the podcast too. some of the like, you know, so I, I talk in the show about, you know, how. I, so there's this point in the show where I, I interview someone who works for a crisis line um, for trans lifeline right. and they offered such helpful perspective. And one of the things they talked about was how suicide is often viewed as someone just having this sort of like irrational moment. But, you know, oftentimes there are systemic things that contribute to why people feel that way, that actually it's not irrational to feel like you don't want to be alive in a world that doesn't want you to be alive or doesn't care about whether you live or die. And yeah. especially for marginalized people, you know, there there are reasons why people feel this way. It's not just chemical. I'm not saying chemical, um, you know, isn't part of it. I um, take a medication for my own <laughs> mental health. Um, but, you know, there are that there are these sort of bigger factors. Um, and I think, you know, for so many of us, just with the state of the world right now and everything that's going on, you know, mm. it is, it's easy to just feel like you don't know where to turn or what resources you have. And so, you know, just want, I, I hoped to kind of bring some of that conversation into the show a little bit as well, just to talk about, you know, what I learned after Alex died about, you know, some of the things that may have contributed to, his situation as well and, then and again, how we can just talk about that stuff right. more yeah oh man we could talk to you all day about this Chris. oh my oh. gosh okay really quick though um not that you have like a hundred things already to do you're a professor you're working on another book you know you partner and friend and family member but will there be more episodes because there's four right now of unread of unread yeah so unread is a standalone sort of like four, it's a four episode series um i wouldn't say never say never because mm. i've learned some things since the show's come out you know and um yeah there's there's more story that could be told Ooh. we'll see whether or not that happens there's a part of me that just i created that this four episode thing and i there's a part of me that just kind of wants to leave it there. And you hear at the end of the end of the series, sort of the place that I come to with things. And that is very much still sort of how I feel about all of it. But I don't I wouldn't rule it out. But I, I do think that there will be more podcasting in the future. There you go. That's what we wanted we'll to see. hear. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you talk about stand culture as well. Uh, and just the funny things that Britney did and how just explaining that culture surrounding Britney and how half of it is making fun of someone. And I, my whole life since I heard her say this one thing, have been saying it the same way. And I try <laughs> okay. to explain it to people, but I don't even care. Like I say it on the air. Nobody knows what I'm doing. 
But she was asked once by the paparazzi, Brittany, what's it like? What is it like being divorced? And she goes, it's awesome. And so <laughs> it was so such a like he wants someone to say something deeper, like, well, you know, it's really hard on the kids and we're working through it. But, you know, we're just doing no, it's awesome. So I will say anytime I say it's awesome, I say it just like that. And I try Aww. to describe to people one time, Brittany, but and they go, uh-huh. They just look at me. But it's those I moments like she was so real. And yeah. it's, just, you know, he loved that about her. And yeah, I just I loved that part of the podcast. There were so many funny Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts things that you guys brought into it just memes and uh the whole nade thing yeah. you know and this just is, like this isn't in the podcast but he there's so <laughs> the, a number of times in interviews when britney's been asked about like her music or something to describe it she'll just say like it's really cool like oh <laughs> tell us about this the sound of your new record britney it's really cool and interesting you know it's basically <laughs> So, and, and he it. loved he loved that, and yeah. so he got the words "really cool" tattooed on him. Oh <laughs> yeah. gosh! Oh, yeah. along with the roller coasters, that was yeah, a very touching coasters. moment in your podcast as well. Another moment where I cried. Yeah, I, you'll laugh, you'll cry. You're you'll you'll definitely you can't stop listening. Um, these are all the kind of things you want to hear about a podcast. Like you can't wait for the next episode. And of course, you know, I just listen to it all at one time. Same. Uh, you know, you just can't <laughs> stop, stop listening. And it's just the mystery. And it's such a unique, helpful podcast. I just think everybody should listen to it. Thanks. That's really nice. Aww, thanks. Glad Chris. To hear that. We love you. Thanks. For a lot of reasons. Love you too. <laughs> where, where can people where can people find um, your books? How to access you? How to read more about what you think about the world and all those great things? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Technically, though, I don't use it that much. Right. Uh, so you can find me in those places. I think my handle on all of those is just chris d as in dog that's not my middle name but <laughs> stedman chris dog stedman, stedman uh, which is spelled like oprah's boyfriend stedman okay uh-huh. sometimes people try and put an extra a in there yeah. so i always it's spelled like oprah's boyfriend uh-huh um and then uh you could also go to chris stedman without the d chris stedman writer.com and that you can find info about all my stuff there Once again, if you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please seek assistance from a mental health professional or visit the National Institute of Mental Health's website at nimh.nih.gov for resources. If you are currently in crisis, you can call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, or text HELLO to 741-741 to speak to someone immediately. If you want to find out more about Chris Stedman and Unread, go to his website, chrisstedmanwriter.com. That's S-T-E-D-M-A-N. Thank you for listening.